Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Andy Behrens, joined today by... Pretty much everyone. It's just a mega cast. Uh, we got Scott Pianowski. We got Matt Harmon. We got Dalton Del Don. We've got everybody but Liz Loza, who's somewhere on Radio Row right now. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about one thing and one thing only. Lovey Smith, head coach. No, obviously, we're going to be talking about Super Bowl 56. It's taking place at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles on Sunday. It's the Rams. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, but first, just a quick word. Fantasy season is over, but DFS lives on. This weekend, you can play Yahoo's $1 million big game baller with 150 k going to whomever finishes in first place. You can also play our big game prop quiz for free. Put your predictive skills to the test for a chance to win up to 10 k uh, You can find both of these games and many others in the Yahoo Daily Fantasy Lobby. Okay, we have this huge, spectacular, monumental matchup ahead. We're going to discuss it all. But first, what I want to know from each of you, I'll start with you, Matt Harmon. Uh, what's your game watch situation for Sunday? Are you going out? Are you staying in? You having people over? You going to a party? What's the deal? Uh, definitely no people over. We, um, My fiance's bridal shower was uh, this past weekend. We were in Virginia the weekend before that. So we're sick of both uh, her family and my family and not interested <laughs> in having anyone around. Uh, we might go to someone's house depending on a few things. But uh, so I'll, I'll say my, you know, like a, a classic person right around my age, my plans are in flux. Uh, not quite <laughs> sure yet uh, what we're going to do on Sunday. Things are a little uh, we got to pick between a few options. We got we got a lot of options to pick through. What's the vibe in LA? Does everyone just have Rams fever right now? Um, Brie, Brie, my fiance has Rams fever. She's, she's very into the Rams, um, for a couple of different reasons, not worth discussing, uh, on this podcast, most to do with her former employer now. Uh, but again, not worth discussing (laughs) on this podcast. Um, she's, she's pretty gassed up about the Rams. I think people are, are excited about the Rams. I got some push notification, uh, from the LA times today that told me, let me see if I can uh, find it. Yeah, since returning to L.A. in 2016, the Rams have won over the city's football fans, according to an L.A. Times slash Survey Monkey poll. So there you go. Scientifically, for the haters out there, <laughs> the, the L.A. folks are into the Rams. I will say, for me personally, because um, I'm not doing anything on Radio Row, um, and you know, I don't have any... I'm not going to the game, obviously. I'm not a bajillionaire. So um, it is a little weird here that the game is within shouting distance of where I live. And I feel like it might as well be in Florida. <laughs> Scott, uh, Scott, what is your game watch situation going to be on Sunday? Yeah, I, I'm going to lay low. Uh, girlfriend, pets, uh, watch at my home living room and um, you know, make a couple of Scooby-Doo sandwiches. And, um, you know, those like eight Decker sandwiches they would make. Uh, dating nice. myself. Yeah. I don't know anybody listening oh, yeah. who knows what Scooby-Doo is. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just chill, chill with the girl and the pup. And, uh, you know, hope, hopefully hit a few props, maybe, you know, luck into a square or whatever. Um, Scooby-Doo has enduring popularity, by the way. I think everybody. Okay. Knows yeah, yeah, I think you're is. good on that. Yeah. Um, Dalton, I'm man, I'm almost I'm almost hesitant to ask you this question because I feel like your Niners could be here, should be here. Uh, but what are you doing during the game? Yeah, I wish I were turning a nice NFC futures Niners ticket I had induced way overspending on a ticket and going to this game because I couldn't help myself. But yeah, the prices are reportedly uh, record breaking. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, is football still going on? I don't know. I moved on once the Niners are out. I've lost interest. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fantasy baseball drafts, but, um, I'll probably end up going to a buddy's, but yeah, this, uh, it's not quite the same intensity level I'll have, uh, with my 49ers not participating Sunday. Uh, yeah, you would have, you would have dropped the 5k for sure. Right. To get Oh, hundred percent. Oh yeah. 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 Well, we were there. The wife and I did a whole trip uh, Sunday morning, left at 4 a.m., got back at 2 a.m. and went to L.A. and back to watch uh, the Niners lose uh, the championship game. But cool experience, man. Once you're inside, it's disaster parking, food and uh, a couple other issues there. But once you're inside, it's definitely the coolest stadium I've ever seen. Awesome. Well, let's let's get into it. Let's get into these matchups. First, I'll give a brief overview of how each of these teams got here. I think everybody knows it. We'll start with the Rams. Uh, this is a 12-win team. They won the NFC West. They're pretty good. Um, they're like they're like the dynasty fantasy manager that just trades every possible future first-round pick for pieces that can help them right now. And it's uh, it's totally worked. Here they are. Uh, this is this is two Super Bowls under Sean McVay. I, don't, I believe that they don't have a first round pick until like 2024, and they'll probably trade that too if they can. But we'll we'll replay their route to get here. They they started off in the wild card round with an absolute demolition of the Cardinals, which may have ended the Kyler Murray era in Arizona. And then it's a three point win at Tampa Bay a game that they controlled, and that may have nudged, uh, in fact, it did nudge Tom Brady into retirement. And then it's a three-point win. Again, we don't have to go over all the grotty details uh, against the Niners uh, in the NFC title game that ended the Jimmy G era, presumably, in San Francisco. So incredible run for that team. Uh, Man, if 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 Kyle Shanahan just goes for it on fourth and two, uh, if Tart holds on to that, uh, the easiest interception chance that he's ever going to have, again, maybe the Niners are here, but they're not. The Bengals, the Bengals won 10 games when they came into the season with a win total in Vegas. Like in September, you could bet this, their win total was six and a half. They win the AFC North. They've been just a party of a team all year. They're super young. Average age of this team is like 25. They've got almost $60 million in cap space next year. Like the future, totally bright for the Bengals. Uh, number four seed in the AFC. They play a really fun game in Cincinnati with the Vegas Raiders that comes down to to basically the final play. Uh, and then it's the 19 to six win at Tennessee. Joe Burrow is sacked nine times in that game. Evan McPherson walked it off. He's just been nails uh, throughout the postseason. And then it is an improbable three point win at Kansas City, a game in which the Bengals trailed 21 to three in the first half and seemingly could not stop Kansas City. And then all of a sudden, Kansas City couldn't move the ball. The Bengals win an OT. So they beat the one and the two seeds on the road in pretty challenging conditions. Uh, and we have a pretty fun game ahead. The The matchup that I want to start off with here, we'll, we'll talk about the, the you know Bengals offense against the Rams defense a little bit later. Let's start with the Rams offense and everything that it does well against the Bengals defense. And I'll throw this to Matt first. Because you just wrote about it's kind of a piece on Cooper Cup and it's also sort of searching for the next Cooper Cup as if we have one of those every year. But he's like, obviously, he's just in a phenomenal season. He's now up to 13 games this year in which he has 100 or more receiving yards, which is just ridiculous. He's averaging something like 116 receiving yards per game. uh, If we look at the postseason and the regular season. How does how does Cincinnati's secondary deal with him, with Odell, with Van Jefferson? Do we think we're going to see them like rush three and drop eight like they did so successfully against Kansas City? I think that could potentially be part of it. And, you know, it's funny. You, you start off uh, talking about the Rams, how they're like kind of the dynasty manager that trades away all their picks. And, you know, this this whole uh, Super Bowl is kind of like a slap in the face to team building because obviously the Rams <laughs> have done team building in such a unique way, right? Like we know they've traded their picks. They've, they've brought in all these superstars. They're the win now team. It's funny. They were they were the win now team in 2018. The last time they were in the Super Bowl. Well, they're they're back here again. So I guess it was uh, it was not all it was like not all in and then like bust. It, you can come right back here in a couple of years. The Bengals, uh, especially when you look at their defense, they're another team that's kind of a slap in the face to team building as well. Like obviously they've hit on Joe Burrow. Good luck on future teams trying to do that. Right. Like take the generational prospect once overall or number one overall that 
most people don't even think is a generational prospect, but he's, he's been this much of a culture changer. That's fine. Obviously, they take Jamar Chase. They hit on T. Higgins. Their offense has some young uh, homegrown stars. Their defense, Andy, is like bought and paid for, right? Yeah. Like they, Other than Jesse Bates, they don't have a lot of homegrown stars. They basically did what is the least inadvisable thing to do, which is like go try to fix one side of the ball through free agency in one year and with Trey Hendrickson, with Von Bell, you know, the last couple of years, you know, Eli Apple, all these guys they brought in and uh, Chidovia Uze, they've like all basically made this a middle of the road defense when we know as fantasy gamers that the Bengals the last couple of years have basically been a complete joke on defense, you know, last season, um, even parts of this year. But uh, Big Lou, Lou Ronarumo and the boys have figured this thing out. And I, I do like their game plan against Kansas City. I think this could be helpful here. But the problem for the Bengals defense is um, Odell Beckham is playing, you know, like kind of the height of his powers, right? Like he was a guy who was getting a ton of separation, getting open. You know, there's been all this discussion about, or at least there was back then, you know, is, is Beckham freelancing? Is Beckham, uh, you know, running the routes he's assigned in Cleveland, despite the fact that he's getting open? Well, who cares? Because um, here in the current version of the LA Rams offense, within the structure of the LA Rams offense, he's kind of been a finishing piece for them because the one thing they haven't had, maybe they had this with Brandon Cooks back in the 2018 season, but the one thing they haven't had the last few years, obviously, you know, they didn't have Matthew Stafford. Now they have Matthew Stafford and they have like a, a, a true X receiver there that we know that the first read on most plays the in the front side is going to be Cooper cup. He's going to almost always be open, whether it's man zone, et cetera. He's going to, you know, he's got option routes. He can do everything from that slot position. That first read is always going to be open. The thing that hasn't always been consistently open and hasn't been consistently open in the timing that Stafford does. Cause you know, Stafford can get rid of the ball at, 2.9, 2.8 seconds, whereas Goff, that thing was getting out much faster than that. They haven't had an X receiver who can win on those backside dig routes, backside post routes. Now they have the quarterback and the receiver who can win on those plays. That's what makes this team so hard to defend right now. If you look, just look at Stafford's numbers in the postseason, he's been great. Um, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've got Beckham operating at full form and they obviously have the best, probably the best pure player in football this year, which was Cooper Cup. So I like the way Cincinnati's defense is set up. I like that Trey Hendrickson is just a guy that can, you know, just take a take a defense or take an offensive lineman and you know push him into the lap of a quarterback. I like the way that Von Bell kind of completes the versatility of this secondary and has uh, done a lot with the multiple safety looks. But you know, man, you just you just look at Cooper Cup and Beckham right now. They're they're really really hard to defend as a duo. Can I ask you about? You mentioned Eli Apple. <laughs> he had a he had a good regular season. He's been he's been roasted in the playoffs, right? Like I, yeah. he's he's given up a, a a passer rating to his assignments of like 126. Um he had the obviously the the dropped potential pick six which was actually you know statistically it's one of his better plays cuz he cuz he broke something up. Um hasn't happened a lot. Are we going to see a lot of is this going to be like a lot of Van Jefferson on him? Um there there's nowhere to hide against against right. the Rams receiving core. That's kind of the problem because I do think if there is a weak link on the Bengals defense, because they're all kind of just, there's no one superstar. Maybe again, you could call Jesse Bates, I think the closest they have to a superstar. And again, he's the only homegrown talent that they have there. So that's great. You know, even Hendrickson is probably their biggest free agent acquisition is probably like a B plus player. Eli Apple might be the closest thing they have to a weak link. So again, if you, if you ha if you do end up lining Van Jefferson up against uh, Eli Apple, I think Van Jefferson's a really really good player. So yeah, um, yeah, I really like almost all of like Beckham's over yardage props in this game because I think those two could match up a decent amount. Uh, but yeah, I think the biggest uh, he would he will he's the one guy on this uh, defense who also happens to be like the biggest tweeter of the bunch too. So that's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a bad combination. I think he could end up being the weak link. That's a good call out. Dalton, you're the you're probably the biggest Cam Akers apologist on this podcast right now. Um, apologist might be a star. Like you were right about Cam Akers, uh, and then the injury happened. Um, he's been a he's been a great story. Uh, his comeback is incredible. We've no, literally no sport we've never seen anything like this. Right, he comes back from an Achilles injury in like six months. Um, it doesn't happen. He hasn't been all that productive. Uh, he, he's averaging since returning, including the handful of carries in the regular season. It's two point six yards per carry. He's obviously faced some really good run defenses, has only two carries that have gone for over 10 yards. So not a lot of explosive plays. 
I can imagine a scenario where, again, the Bengals are a super flexible, super adaptable defense. I can imagine a scenario where, again, they they rush three, they drop eight, and you almost got to run against that look. Like, is Cam Akers still the guy here? He picked up an injury in the Niners game. Or should we be thinking that maybe Sony Michelle uh, returns to the mix? It's true. I was in on Cam Akers this summer, and man, McVeigh's treating him like a true workhorse, even returning from a, a torn Achilles. So I think it would have been a, a nice season for him had he not uh, suffered that injury. Uh, it is a great story, remarkable. But um, I mean, Cam Akers, not only did he suffer a shoulder injury that he missed all of practice last week, but it sounds like Daryl Henderson may return to this game. There's obviously Sony Michelle. So my advice in my DFS column is just to stay away from this Rams backfield. We don't, I, it sounded like Akers will take a shot and attempt to play through and maybe McVay will give him 90% of the touches again. But uh, to me, a banged up shoulder and possibly a three-headed backfield, that's more of a stay away. And a couple other thoughts real quick. Larry Fitzgerald, not only has Cooper Cup had the best regular season, he, Larry Fitzgerald's records are in play too. Cup might have had the best postseason. I think three touchdowns away is a little far-fetched, but he's like five catches and 160 yards or something. So really impressive, uh, Cooper Cup. And then the Rams, I I saw a tweet that they have the most free agents that are ranked in the top 25. I'm not sure who does these rankings, but of any team this offseason, they have the most unrestricted top free agents for what it's worth. It's wild that Cooper Cup would need like 160 and three to to match Larry Fitzgerald. And you're like, "Eh, it's Cooper Cup. Yes, that's probably right. It's probably what he gets. (laughs) um scott let me let me talk to you about matt stafford because uh because you've seen a lot of matt Stafford. we've all seen a lot of matt stafford but you're you're near detroit right like you're in michigan you've uh experienced uh from a closer vantage point the entirety of matt stafford's career he's he's the mvp favorite in this game he's like plus 135 to win mvp coming off a phenomenal season that had some hiccups, right? Uh, 41 touchdown passes, almost 4,900 passing yards, the highest completion percentage of his career. But he's also sitting on 18 picks, if we include the postseason. He tied Trevor Lawrence for the the league lead in uh, in regular season interceptions. This is, I don't know, maybe this isn't a legacy game for him. It's a legacy game in some ways for everybody, right? Like he's already gotten himself to a Super Bowl. He's probably going to finish his career with like 65,000 or 70,000 yards. And maybe we can't keep that out of the Hall of Fame no matter what happens in this game. But what is your what is your confidence level in Stafford against the Bengals defense? I feel very confident. I know it's it's um, you have to lay negative juice to do it, but I, I feel confident Stafford will throw an interception in this game, maybe a couple <laughs> of them. They've, you know, one reason why I've I've been saying all year that I thought Coop, Cooper Cup was the most outstanding player in football this year is because he did it without Stafford hitting the high end of his range. Right, Cooper Cup has a triple crown season, and Stafford throws all these picks. There's a couple of games the Rams lost where Stafford pretty much gave the games away, and. The, the market I'm really interested in is Cooper Cup for MVP. You, you can get 500, 550 plus 600 on Cup, which okay, maybe a different year would have been even higher than that. But I can tell myself a very feasible story that Cooper Cup has a monster game and Stafford has you know maybe 270, two touchdowns, two picks. You know, maybe there's a strip sack in there or something like that. Yeah, we've seen voters don't give MVP awards to wide receivers. Jerry Rice never won an MVP. Randy Moss never won an MVP. No receivers ever won MVP in the regular season. In the Super Bowl, it's different. Deion Branch has been an MVP. Heinz Ward has been an MVP. Santonio Holmes. Julian Edelman just a few Edelman, years ago yeah. was an MVP. What you need is a receiver who dominates and a quarterback who doesn't have a perfect game. And I, I think it sets up really well. And, and Cup, if you just bet Cup's over, and, and they've been moving the number up every week, you just bet his over and his yardage. I mean, you'd be like, what, 13 for 17, 13, 14 for 18 or whatever it is. You'd only have three or four losses on the season. So uh, Cup for MVP is something that I'm interested in because I feel confident that both these quarterbacks are going to have negative plays. When we get to the Bengals, we, we know the big story there with, you know, how often is Joe Burrow going to be you know in the turf? It's amazing that he can actually keep his wits about him and his nerve about him with the beating he's taken some of these games, nine sacks against Tennessee. But um, because I'm convinced that Stafford will have, you know, hits and misses. He'll, he's not afraid to, to look down at a, a guy who's covered and throw the ball. He's not afraid to throw into coverage. He's not afraid to trust his arm and occasionally make a throw. It's interesting. I think both coaches are actually a little bit too conservative at times. Both quarterbacks are not afraid to make to take chances. And because of that, I think Stafford's going to throw at least one pick, maybe two. And I think that really sets up Cup as a nice if – you, if you like the Rams. I'm actually picking the Bengals in this game. But if you do like the Rams, I think Cup for MVP is a great prop to hit. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good call. I was uh, one of the splits that I was looking at was Stafford and this was just me thinking about, you know, the way the Bengals approached Kansas City and Mahomes uh, dropping everybody into coverage. Matt Stafford this year, when he's not blitzed, when he's just facing four fewer pass rushers, he's thrown 17 of those 18 interceptions. Um, so he is somebody who can get impatient and can see a tight window and still try to hit it, has all the confidence in the world in his arm, rightly so, right? But um, I, I've already bet the the Matt Stafford, you know, uh, over a half of an intercept. Like, I don't see any way that Matt Stafford doesn't throw a pick or two in this game. <laughs> Agreed. Well, let's you you mentioned Joe Burrow. Uh, you, we mentioned the Bengals offense generally. So let's talk about the Bengals offense against the Rams defense. And I'll start with I'll start with Dalton on this. Um, I feel like it's the the most glaring mismatch in the game. Scott already talked about it. Cincinnati's offensive line, which is, you know, uh, they got a couple of turnstiles at guard, right? Like they've got problems. Cincinnati's offensive line against Aaron Donald, Von Miller and company. Uh, I mean, again, that that is about as, as stark a mismatch as you can find in this game. But like, weirdly, it's also like this winning formula for Cincinnati, right? Like but teams just heating up Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow deftly avoiding pressure, taking a handful of sacks. But like Joe Burrow has killed blitzes this year. He's been he's been as good a quarterback as there is in the league against the blitz. Um, so pressure doesn't really bother him, despite the 51 sacks or whatever it was. But this is a different, you know, this is a different set of circumstances. This is a different cast of characters. This is Miller. This is Donald. How does Cincinnati deal with that? You know, the Rams announced their defense in the NFC Championship game at home. And I, uh, when they ended, I thought, oh, it's over with Jalen Ramsey. Not a big deal. I forgot there's a guy named Aaron Donald who was announced last. And it was not <laughs> unlike Ray Lewis in the Super Bowl. He came out so fired up. And I'd be lying if I said, uh-oh, when, I, when Donald got out there fired up. They're running these stunts. I know Trent Williams was battling high ankle sprain. But the stunts they were running in the fourth quarter was just unstoppable. Uh, and Cincinnati's offensive line is the key to this game. It's their weak point. You look at all their, their ratings, uh, their weakness a uh, all five spots there. Um, having said that, um, obviously it's a little bit uh, different with Von Miller getting traded midseason, but for the season, the Bengals had a higher pressure rate than the Rams. So that's interesting. And Burrow led the NFL in YPA. The dude tore his ACL, what was it, week nine last year? Just so impressive second year in the league. Um, should be fun to see him going against that pass rush. And conversely, uh, I agree with you guys. Stafford is going to throw a pick in this game. The numbers are stark. He balls against the blitz and really struggles when teams back uh, back away and only rush three. I mean, the Bengals literally did just all that in a half of football against Mahomes. So if there's any team equipped for that, it appears to be the Bengals. So I'm with you guys. I think this game's going to be close. And even if it's not, McVay will just run the ball in first and second down and let the Bengals come back. So I, I think it's going to be close. <laughs> and, and looking into the numbers, it doesn't look like it's an ideal setup for Stafford. But then again, it didn't look like that either for the Niners. And sometimes you can get too too deep into those X's and O's. Scott, I want to talk to you about the Bengals running game. They, uh, they were weirdly um, focused on running the ball on first down against Kansas City, right? To the point that the broadcast team was calling it out. They didn't get much out of Joe Mixon until, I guess, until overtime, right? Like he ended up with a pretty good stat line for the game, but but they weren't getting much on first down. Was that a fumble uh, or not? I, I, I heard, I mean, I, I was obviously at the game. Right. So was that a, I mean, what is going on? I mean, they, they gave himself up, but I mean, overtime, imagine losing your season on that, right? I mean, that, that seemed crazy to me. I know. Yeah, like weird game, weird, weird approach, really, because you're putting putting Joe Burrow in, you know, third and long situations a fair amount. I'm surprised that they didn't, you know, like it's you're doing a favor to your quarterback if you're letting him throw a little bit on first down. They've gotten crazy plays out of the screen game, right? The the Samaj P. Ryan play was a was a huge one uh, a couple weeks ago. Just talk generally about about Joe Mixon and P. Ryan and what they can do against this uh, this Rams front. Yeah, you mentioned the screen game, which is where I was going to go first. And when you know you have a mismatch with the opposing team's defensive front and their pass rush, the way to slow that down is to get your backs involved. Now, the P. Ryan touchdown you mentioned, uh, although it was a perfect call at the time, I also want to single out like seven Kansas City Chiefs who chose not to make a tackle on that play. <laughs> I mean, you know, P. Ryan just – it wasn't like P. Ryan was looking like Marshall Falk as as he was, you know, going to the end zone. or you know, No, he had Christian to feel McCaffrey like he was back in the Big 12, right? You know, he, he uh, not, not even Saquon Barkley. He may have looked more like Charles Barkley as he as he found his <laughs> way in there. But um, I'd like to see more proactiveness on first down with the throwing. We have the great time for play action, of course. I, I hope that the Bengals are going to be 
Um, I, I think Warren Sharp maybe might have been calling for this, uh, or Doug Farrar or somebody like that, but one of the X's and O's guys on Twitter. Use all the pre-snap motion you can. Try to get the defense to dictate its hand. Try to get the the matchups that you want. You know, be really, really proactive and multiple with your formations. I think it's important in this game because they can't have Burrow take the pounding that he took. I, you know, it, it's I rewatched the Tennessee Cincinnati game and man, it felt like Burrow was sacked like seventeen times. A couple of them I think were taken back by penalty. He was hit plenty of the time, and I think it's really important that. I don't know if uh, anybody knows the status of Uzama in this game. He was actually really effective against Tennessee. And it's, that's a lot of their, their blitz beaters is, okay, a, a quick throw over the middle. I don't know what, what's happened to Tyler Boyd this year, but, but Higgins and Uzama were really good with the short throws when Burrow was looking to get rid of the ball early in that Tennessee game. So I, I'd like to see both of those guys involved. But as far as the backs go, look, th- we know they want 15 to 18 touches for Mixon. They don't want to throw the ball 50 times. And it's okay to be balanced on offense. Uh, that's totally fine. I want to see a lot of proactiveness throwing to the backs in this game, and I want to see throwing on first down. If Zach Taylor is sharp enough to do that, I think the Bengals have a good chance to win here. I'll say I'll say Boyd could be interesting in this game with a banged-up Uzuma, won't be able to run the ball in that front seven, and the Rams allowed, I think, the 10th fewest fantasy points to outside receivers and the 10th most to the slot, and then Boyd runs all his routes from there. So he's a sleeper-type DFS guy. Also, Kendall Blanton, I'd say. For the, both tight ends are hurt in this matchup, so it's, it's yeah. definitely something to follow. If you're if you're gonna play DFS, Uzama did rip his knee brace off at like media night or whatever. <laughs> he claimed he won't he miss made the game it, of made his it, life. Made, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Which makes sense, right? Like you're not gonna miss the Super Bowl or whatever. But at the same time, is he gonna be anywhere close to 100? I think it's like zero zero percent chance he sits, but like zero percent chance he's anywhere close to the best version of himself. So we, we don't think he's gonna pull Terrell Owens and, and just play like a like a Superman on on Sunday. MVP of the game on a broken leg. Yeah. Maybe maybe different different level of like human specimens. That yeah, yeah I feel like his ceiling is probably not to. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the uh, it was a good call out for of uh, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd, by the way, like the Rams play almost nothing but zone. Right, they're 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 rarely in in straight up man coverage and Boyd has been such a like it's obviously a quiet year for him. Jamar Chase now on the scene, but he's been a he's been a zone killer. He has caught. 80 almost 85 percent of his targets um against zone he has like 500 plus receiving yards in the regular season like it does kind of set up as a game where where he can make a little noise um so i'll ask i'll direct this one to matt because i just think like cincinnati's receiving core generally against jalen ramsey and the Rams secondary it's like a it's just like a strength versus strength matchup um really looking forward to it how often are we actually going to see like Am I oversimplifying it to think that, that we're just going to get a bunch of Jamar Chase against Jalen Ramsey? Like, that's not exactly who the Rams are. Do you feel like this is a T. Higgins game? Is it a Boyd game? Is it all three? Is it nobody? How, how do we view this matchup? Yeah, I can really tell myself a story where it's like any one of the three or maybe two yes. of the three. And I mean, for for uh, for Boyd specifically, like almost all of his yardage props are sub 40, you know, which is extremely tempting because we get like one coverage bust and and Boyd's like I think it came against the Broncos is like perfectly emblematic of like every everyone's attention is elsewhere Boyd slips like one in there and he hits for you know a big game or whatever like that's certainly possible for that at the same time I mean I think this comes back to um the point that we've all made about the offensive line versus the defensive line uh, we talked about the Tennessee game obviously the big catalyst in that is is Jeffrey Simmons for their pass rushing defensive tackle well you know now they're going against like as great of a player as Jeffrey Simmons is you know if Aaron Donald wins the Super Bowl I think we almost all if we don't already universally regard him as one of the five best defensive players to ever play football I, I mean that's where he's at so um it's the biggest mismatch you know playoff Von Miller like everybody's all you know up in a tizzy about they give a second round pickup for Von Miller well nobody gives a damn who they're gonna who they were picking the second round at this point after he basically won them a couple of games um was dynamic against Tom Brady so I think their coverage matchup comes back to that because in that Tennessee game, Joe Burrow got uh, had just a 4.1 average depth of throw, uh, which is obviously a far cry from like the verticality that we're used to out of this Bengals offense. So 
does that lead back to a Tyler Boyd game potentially? But at the same time, I could also see, um, you know, as you mentioned, I don't know that we're going to see like Jalen Ramsey track Jamar Chase around the field uh, because what they've loved to do with Jalen Ramsey is keep him in that star position so that he's involved in plays near the line of scrimmage. Andy, you'd kind of think that like the same that he'd be doing that as well, especially if they think Burrow's getting the ball out of his hands. They've also schemed Jamar Chase looks though, right? Like they've kind of used him in nobody gets used like Debo Samuel, but they've used him in some rushing ways. You know, they've they've gotten him quick hitting curl routes, getting the ball against the Raiders specifically, another really good outside pass rush there in Max Crosby. But then I think about the T. Higgins part of it too, and I'm like, well, if Tyler Boyd's a slot receiver, you know, Ramsey's kind of up in Jamar Chase's face. Then you've got T Higgins as the one pure perimeter receiver on the team. I mean, Jamar Chase is obviously an outside receiver, but you know, T Higgins, a pure perimeter receiver going to get a lot of action against Darius Williams. Who's probably the most vulnerable player on this secondary uh, on this defense, 21 targets in the postseason, giving up over 16 yards per catch. He struggles with like big physical outside ball winners. T. Higgins is the prototype, big physical outside ball winner. So, again, I could talk myself into this being a Higgins game, a Boyd game, or even still, again, just come right back to Jamar Chase. I think it does come back to how does that pass rush uh, matchup look like and where does Jalen Ramsey play? Obviously, we think we know it's going to play out between the Bengals offensive line uh, and the uh, the Rams pass rush. We don't know uh, where Ramsey will play. That's an unknowable variable to this point. I, w- I want to piggyback on what Matt was saying. It, it, the Bengals, they have enough people that it's, it's hard to know sometimes where, where you should put your prop money down. I think Higgins's body type, his route type, and the way the Rams play defense, I think it sets up really well for him. I have him over his yardage. I have him to score a touchdown. I think I might even have uh, Higgins to score the first touchdown. Um, we know that Chase is the is the exciting, you know, the alpha, the game breaker on this offense. But you know, Higgins is a, is a 1A to one, it's a 1A, 1B situation. I mean, he, he's a star quality as well. I think the Higgins market has been a little bit under, under repped. Um, it's, it's been gone up the last couple of days, but if you were going to focus on one guy, I think Higgins is a really good prop to attack from the Bengals side. Anything over five catches for Higgins, I, I would, I would, yeah, five, five or more, I would feel really good about it, depending on where you can get it. I mean, that's just like, that's, that that seems right to me, and I'm a little. I I like the call about the yardage, but the, I feel like almost a little more comfortable with the catches, just because I'm not sure how much big play juice you're going to get out of this Bengals offense in this particular matchup. But it's it's tough to 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 doubt Mr. Culture Changer himself and Joe Burrow. Let's throw this stat I saw this week: uh, Joe Burrow throwing slant and go routes last year, seven point one YPA. This year, seventeen point one YPA. What was the <laughs> wow. change? What was the change there? I mean, Chase on good? the go route 17? is just the most unstoppable play in football. Apparently, crazy. Doesn't he have like twelve plays of twelve uh, passes of like fifty or more yards? Like the the big plays in this offense are are absolutely absurd. Yeah, they're never in the red zone. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just scoring all from 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 outside it. Yeah. They have the goat kicker too. We got to talk. I mean, how have we gone this long and not talked about the best player in this football game? I mean, come on. I, you know, I'm very reluctant to compare anybody to Justin Tucker. That, that's who. That's who reminds me of. This is Justin Tucker 2.0. All the kicks are center cut. The Bengals in overtime played for what a 52 yard field goal. That's what they played for. <laughs> <laughs> who does that? Um, Evan McPherson is plus 10,000 to win the MVP in this game. Can I, can I interest anyone in that even a little bit? Probably not going to happen, but that's a nice payoff. He's 12 for 12 on field goals in the postseason to this point. Guy went nine for 11 from 50 plus. Well, here's what, here's how he could win it. Okay. I think it's possible the Bengals might do two things. One, Zach Taylor, his first, you know, Super Bowl. I think maybe he might err on the conservative side in, in some cases where they get in the red zone. And we know no he'll give McPherson free reign <laughs> to kick from, I mean, McPherson's range is the parking lot. Okay. Right. Uh, there's not going to be any weather here. There's not going to be any snow, wind, any of that stuff. So if McPherson say nails a couple of 50 yarders, maybe they chicken out and, and they, they go for field goals short and then it turns into a game winning. I mean, he'd probably have to kick five of them. It'd probably have to be a situation where the Bengals only scored one touchdown. And um, of course, if there's ever any confusion with MVP, they always give it to the to quarterback, right? I mean, Justin Tuck should probably have one or two Super Bowl MVPs. They're on Eli Manning's mantle. I've always given Justin Tuck permission to go into the Manning household and just take those trophies because <laughs> they belong to him. As, as a Patriots fan, I, I I know why the Patriots didn't win those games because the defensive front absolutely dominated here. 
I could see a case for McPherson. And by the way, speaking speaking of which, I don't know what Donald's odds are, but if you think the Rams are going to win and you don't think that Stafford's going to have a clean game, I think a couple of bucks on, on Aaron Donald, who now he, he has two advantages. One is that you know the, the strength of the Rams plays into the weakness of the Bengals. But also, when you're a signature player already and people just want to give you accolades, you know he's going to win. If there are two or three defensive players who are all kind of in the running and it's, it's not clear who, who the defensive guy to give it to is, they're going to give it to Aaron Donald. Yeah, I, you better part. You better like parlay uh, Donald and the and the under for the game, though. You know, for for this whole. I, it may be <laughs> same thing with McPherson too. If you think old Evan McPherson's gonna be the MVP of this game, like you might as well just try to do, try to juice up your odds there at that point. Meanwhile, is Matt Gabe in short back to back weeks? Like there was rumors he suffered some injury pregame, whatever. But I, 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 I yeah, I mean he's been come up. So he's McPherson's gonna look really good when he's nailing. Neil, an indoor bomb. He was short from what, like 45, 47? Yeah. So, like, yeah, you never weird. see that. Yeah. Wow. Not weird. in this era when the kicker's yeah. never, kicking's never been better. You know, another reason why I like it's a lean to the Bengals. I'm, I'm not shoving all my, you know, I'm not shoving my rent money on the Bengals, but the Super Bowl's a corporate game. This is not the idea that the Rams are quote unquote at home. Yes, they're, they're sleeping in their own beds and everything, but the travel is, is no big deal for the, you know, it's a two week layoff into the game. So the Bengals are plenty rested. It's not like the, the travel or whatever they've had to deal with is that big of a deal. I don't, I think the line's too high because I think it's giving the Rams a little bit of home field advantage that really look, there were more Niners fans than there were Rams fans. I thought during the championship game it was pretty, pretty close. So maybe 60, 40, it wasn't as bad as I think some thought it might be, but I don't give the Rams really home field edge here. It's a corporate crowd for the Super Bowl. It's not a fan crowd. I was impressed how loud it was for what it's worth. Um, we, we were there early so I could hear they definitely were piping in sound before the game started. So I'd assumed that was a practice for the game. But for whatever it's worth, uh, even with a lot of Niners fans, it is possible that Red just stood out more. Uh, but the Rams fans are really loud, man. I expect it's going to be more corporate now. The Super Bowl prices are, are, are reportedly 10 times what it was of the championship game. But I was impressed, man. It was my ears rang like I'd been to a concert 12 hours later. It was loud. You guys are still discounting my survey monkey poll that I talked about at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I Crap's did the only thing more scientific than a Twitter research. poll. Are that game? Were you wearing your um, 49ers divisional round champion shirt or you know, some of that divisional <laughs> round champion? They, they led the league in, in yards per play. I think uh, that banner they should put up. Yeah, no. I was wearing a Jimmy Garoppolo jersey. Very sad. Uh, good guy. Uh, yeah, sad to see him go. But it's, uh, it's, it's time to move on. It's time we moved on. Let me let me get a quick answer from everyone on this, uh, and I'll I'll start with uh, I'll start with you, Harmon. Tell me, just sort of generally, broad strokes, what has to happen for the Bengals to win? What does a Bengals win look like? And then give me the same for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, because I definitely think there's a scenario where the Bengals kind of get this handed to them. Uh, I think there's there's a scenario where this plays out just because of how good the Rams' offense is and how. Um, or how how good it is at, at its peak, and uh, I I am pretty confident in Stafford in this game. Yeah, maybe more so confident confident than you guys are. So, but for a Bengals win, I think number one they have to have they have to have Stafford stub his, his toes a little bit. Um, they have to have the run game basically be stuck in the mud for uh, the LA Rams, which is certainly possible. Like Dalton mentioned, you know they're kind of smacking their heads into the wall on not just early downs, but also with Cam Akers too, who's injured, uh, has not played like extra. He, he was really good in that Cardinals game, which I mean, he was just probably about as fresh as he could possibly be. Um, but since then it hasn't been so great for Cam Akers, you know, are they going to run a weird three-way committee of Akers, Sony, Michelle, Daryl Henderson, and just the run game isn't working. I think that's po- pr- pretty possible. And then their offensive line has to not be a total joke. Right. Like it can't be <laughs> something where like your drunk buddy at the Super Bowl party is like, I told you coming into the game that uh, Bengals offensive line was going to be the key to how they lost. You know, like every every obvious goofball out there is pointing out how bad the offensive line is. You know, that that let, can't let be the record that bad, show. Right? That's a new voice for Matt Harmon. Matt Harmon usually breaks out the one voice no matter no matter who he's trying to impersonate. But that was a new voice there, I think. <laughs> That's a that's a different that's a different character in the uh, in the arsenal that I have. I'll, maybe I'll maybe I'll debut that guy more next season. But um, yeah, no, I think that that has to be kind of the thing. Is that it's not going to be a total strength. I don't think there's any scenario where you know Burrow isn't isn't under pressure basically throughout the game. But uh, also Burrow just has to be what he has been, which is consistently good. I I also love we haven't brought this up yet, but I love the way he was 
willing and able to take off as a rusher against Kansas City. Like, that's another thing that if we see that again, you know, because he was good in college in that way, but he has not. And he was a little bit as a rookie as well. Um, You know, really good, not like a superb athlete or anything like that, but just a very instinctual rusher, um, like a really just. Yeah, for fantasy, weren't they expecting like 300 yards from Burrow? Yeah, Yeah, like fantasy before the toward knee. Yeah, no, that was the biggest play of the game, Matt. You're right. One of those. Yeah, that run for the first down was was super impressive. You know, I love I love betting over rushing props with quarterbacks. You can't do it with Stafford because he's not a runner at all. But when the playoffs hit, the idea is like, well, what, what am I saving myself for? You know, I have the whole offseason to rehab. You know, because the Bengals are the younger team here, because some of these Rams have been to the Super Bowl recently, McVay's already been there. The Rams were the shorter team on the odds to go to the Super Bowl. The, the Bengals are the more Cinderella Although Cincinnati's made comebacks this year, they just made a tremendous comeback against the Chiefs. I think the early part of a game is always more critical to the underdog to prove you belong, to not have the pixie just kind of wear away and, and, you know, the Rams jump out to make, you know, a 10-0 lead or something and the Bengals are like, oh, man, maybe we're overmatched here. We can't block Donald. Maybe we just got lucky, you know, beating the Chiefs because they played a horrible half nobody saw coming. I think the start of the game is more critical to Cincinnati than it is to the Rams. And don't you think I like I know McVay is always conservative. We talk honestly this whole like coaching tree from uh our, our guy Mike Shanahan all da- on down, they're all kind of a little more conservative than you'd imagine. Like we talked about Zach Taylor. We ta- obviously we know Shanahan. McVay is a little overly conservative at times too, but it almost feels like a couple of times this game, especially late in the NFC championship game, that McVay is is coaching in a way of like Everybody said we've got to make the Super Bowl because, you know, we're all in. And, like, I man, I, gotta, I just really can't blow this. I really can't blow this. It feels like sometimes he has been coaching that way during this playoff game. I wouldn't be surprised, Scott, like, to your point that, you know, the Bengals have been a little overly conservative as well, like I said. So it's it's tough to judge. Like, maybe Sean, Zach Taylor comes out in the same way. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, maybe the Rams are a little tighter coming into this. But uh, uh, I think you're right. Like, tell me how the first – the first like half the first quarter goes and uh i think you could tell a lot about how this game is going to go for both sides i mean i i will say i will say cincinnati got down 21 to 3 like in right. kansas city to patrick mahomes and um they made some adjustments and they came right back that did happen yes that's correct <laughs> let, let me give you another silly prop that i like um you can bet how many players will attempt to pass in this game between Johnny Hecker, you're know, throwing gadget passes. Odell Beckham, um, it's one of the ways they've engaged him since he went to L.A. Uh, the Bengals like trick plays. I, I think there's going to be a third person who attempts a pass in this game. And that's, you know, if you're just looking for something to bet something small on, you know, whatever a small amount is to you, a half unit, a unit, whatever. I think there's, I think there's going to be a gadget play. Where, and the thing with gadget plays, and this is what, one reason why they usually don't, a lot of times they're bad ideas, is because usually when you tell a non-quarterback, you know, okay, you have an option to throw a pass, he's like, okay, I'm throwing a pass no matter what. The play doesn't have to be there. You know, I, it, one out of a hundred option passes is like, oh, the play's not here, I'll throw it out of bounds. No, 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 it's it's I get to be the hero. Okay, I, yeah, yeah, the play's not here, but this is my chance to throw a touchdown, so I'm throwing the ball. So I, I like that. I think there's going to be maybe this is more of a gut feel or more of a hunchy kind of play. I think a third player is going to attempt to pass, and that's available on some books. That's a really good call. Can I can like can we just take a moment to reflect on the fact that the Rams ran a flea flicker in which they threw to Kendall Blanton at the line of scrimmage? That is, that is maybe my favorite play call of the entire postseason at this point. Well, it also you know it speaks to Matt's point. The funny thing about McVeigh and, and it, it sprinkles down to his tree is that McVeigh is very modern and exotic when it comes to play design and when it comes to you know, how he schemes Cooper Cup open. But he is not modern when it comes to, like, fourth and short. You know, he he's extremely conservative when it comes to, okay, we're, we're going to take the field goal here, you know? Uh, so it's just an interesting dichotomy with McVeigh, who's is, is one of the – I mean, he, he's a trailblazer, right? I mean, he's a guy he's going to go down as – and for all the jokes of when, when McVeigh's tree was getting hired and people like, oh, anybody who had a cup of coffee with Sean McVeigh is, like, a hot commodity, his tree looks pretty good right now. And that isn't always sure the does. case. I mean, you know, God knows Bill Belichick's tree, although I would hire Brian Flores in a second, but his tree hasn't looked too good, you know, over the last couple of decades. Uh, but McVeigh, it's just interesting. He's very super creative with the X's and O's. But a lot of times when just the simple decisions, just the third and fourth down things, he seems to, you know, sometimes tense up and play to a conservative nature. It's why Kyle Shanahan is the biggest love-hate relationship in my life. I mean, he's, he's awesome at all the outside the game, but in the in-game management, he's brutal cost you season type decision stuff i mean yeah i mean he's the same exact i don't know it's weird it's weird these guys are brilliant one way and then dinosaurs in another i don't know 
Dalton, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite DFS play in this game? And and we can go two directions on this: a guy that you'll pay up for, and then a guy that you think is a great bargain. Yeah, I mean, in our DFS Yahoo, you just everyone's going to use Cup in the superstar because it doesn't even cost more, and he's seven dollars more than the next highest. So the only way only way you're doing it differently there is just to be contrarian. So I'll say Kendall Blanton because I do not think Tyler Higby suits up for this. I think his injury is more serious than Uzuma, and uh, the the Rams use their tight ends. They were using Blanton for screens. He's caught all seven targets in the postseason, and the Bengals are, are their weakness is against tight ends. So uh, give me Blanton scoring in this game, and, and for fourteen bucks in Yahoo DFS. Harmon, do you have a favorite? You have a favorite prop here? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's over whatever you can get on Beckham receiving yards. It's like, again, it's usually sub 65, something like that. I think he's become such a crucial part of this passing game because of how he unlocks things on the backside. Again, they do not they have not had whether it's Cup, whether it's Woods. I mean, like Robert Woods is a good player, but, um, you know, Beckham went from like a luxury to a necessity to somebody that brought them a different dimension entirely to this offense when they acquired him. This is this is why you make these moves, right? Because like, okay, I guess it would have been weird if if Odell Beckham was toiling as your fourth receiver or something like that behind Cup, Woods, and Van Jefferson if like he, it just didn't work out there or whatever for the LA Rams. But there was also a scenario where he unlocked something different that they never had. And I think that's this, that's what he's become. And that's why you make these moves because you can look at your roster on when, I don't even remember when they added Beckham, but let's just like say October 15th. You can look at your roster at October 15th and it might look a hell of a lot different, you know, February uh, 13th when this game kicks off. Guess what? It does. And Beckham is like a key part to that. So like whatever, whatever yardage you can get for Beckham, I think is, is really big in this game. Cause I do think the Rams passing offense can find some success against this defense. You know, like you mentioned, Eli Apple, they can find their spots here. And I think Beckham's just such a huge part of unlocking the entire it's Stafford, obviously, but even Beckham as well, I think has unlocked a huge portion of this. Is my memory wrong? Or did Robert Woods get hurt? Like literally a day after that trade? Yeah. Yes. It was, it was like a the day next, after. Yeah. It was the next That's day. That's insane. Fortuitous, I've got to say. You said it's not supposed to work this way, signing these superstars and winning the title. It's not supposed to work this way. Remember also with Beckham and, and the Rams passing game, I, I think Mike Clay had the stat, 80% of the Rams touchdowns have been through the air. They're, they're the highest ratio in the league. So I, I like fading the Rams running game. And I'll, although the cup numbers you know been bloated into the three digits, I, I have no problem actually going over on Beckham and on on um, yep, cup i think they agree. both are good bets for you know again this is where you you get involved with multiple legs of a parlay you know where you you get maybe beckham with a touch if you think the rams are going to win you go you know rams money line you go beckham to get a touchdown maybe to go over 70 yards and maybe cam makers to go under or something like that but i think the rams get in the end zone it's going to be through through the air the cup number is like 106 and a half and it's crazy but to me that seems like an easy over right like he averages over 116 receiving yards per game does anybody want the under on that no you'll hate yourself don't do it i mean you'll, right. you'll just like <laughs> if it, you'll hate yourself you know you want this to be a fun experience like betting on the super bowl should be a fun experience you don't want um you don't want that and just to, to, to we couldn't get through this podcast without like one jared goff stray and i'll, I'll be the one to uh to <laughs> offer it up here like again the reason that beckham is so important in this offense the reason that stafford you know the why they made this trade it's like they're the two are kind of symbiotic here because the like cup used to just all he would get was these little layup passes from the slot because of Jared Goff's like tendency to get the ball out quick. And he like, once Jared Goff like got broken to a point that like the, the trade just had to be made, you know, remember like this time, not this time last year, but obviously last year's playoffs, McVay is like messing around with the whole John Warford thing or whatever, you know, he like clearly wanted to start yeah. that guy over Jared Goff, like push come to shove late in the year, because that's how sick he was. Cause Jared Goff could never get to the backside of the play. Stafford is more than willing to get to the backside, which, which is where Beckham lines up, which is again, why I think he's he, this, this extra dimension has been uh, unlocked. Sorry, Jared. Sure. You're a nice fella, but it had to be said. <laughs> All right. Let's get game predictions from everyone. 48 and a half for the, for the over under the line is four and a half. Uh, the Rams still favored. Uh, Scott, we'll start with you. You like the Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to go Bengals and under, let's call it 23-20, which will speak to a little bit of conservatism. It's five field goals. Another prop you might want to go over with if the field goal attempts or field goals made. And Burrow is MVP. Uh, I'm in on T. Higgins props as well. Dalton, what do you like here? 
Interesting that passing stat PL brought up. That's a far cry from when Gurley was scoring 54 rushing touchdowns over three years on one <laughs> leg. I mean, what a difference there. there. So, but I still think I'd like to acres buy an acres next year. Um, so while I'm taking the points four and a half, um, I, I do recognize that it could go south there, like as Harmon alluded to. I mean, this is a lot of parallels to last year, an NFC team that's playing in their home stadium with a far better line, you know, the big mismatch in the trenches. Um, but I, I I will take the four and a half points. I think Stafford uh, will struggle against uh, the the Bengals dropping a lot of guys back and it'll keep it close. 24, 23 Rams. Ooh, man, I'll take that game right now. Um, Matt, what do you like here? Yeah, like I said, that disaster scenario does loom to me where I think the the Bengals get the the doors beat off them there because they just can't pass for tech because there's just too many superstars on defense. But I'm with these guys that I'm I'm on Bengals plus four and a half Rams to win uh, and the under 48 and a half there. My official call in this game is going to be Bengals 27-24, I think. Over. Um, but I Scott mentioned uh, the Aaron Donald MVP prop earlier. Again, it's it's plus 1,200. Uh, I like that one. Uh, I also like the under on Cam Akers. Again, Cam Akers dinged coming out of the conference championship game. His, his rushing number is like, it, it's over 60 yards. Um, and I'm not even sure like he's going to be their primary running back. Again, I can, I can see a pretty clear path to Sony Michelle, though. The only Rams back who's gone over a hundred yards in any game this year, I can see a, a path to Sony Michelle uh, taken over in that backfield. It was only, it was only a couple of years ago that, that Sean McVay's team lost a Super Bowl in which Sony Michelle scored the only touchdown, right? Like he very well could have been the MVP of that game. So that all feels possible to me. But Daryl Henderson um, said he's going to play. Daryl Henderson may play in this game. I mean, yeah, I love the under on Acres. If, I remember too with Acres. I didn't realize the number with Acres was that high because I've yeah, been focusing on some other props. I think it's a, a stone under for a couple of reasons. One, I'm not sure he beats that number via effectiveness. Because he, he hasn't, he's look, the comeback's great, but he hasn't been particularly effective. And he, he put the ball on the ground in the Tampa Bay game. I mean, they almost had a you know, colossal choke against the Twice. Buccaneers. And Cam Akers would have been one of the goats of that had they lost that game. So I think he's one mistake away. He, he's one put the ball on the ground, one, you know, blow an assignment away from, or, or Michelle gets hot, you know, they're, they're not going to play to any depth chart or, you know, who, who's ideally our better guy long term. They're going to play to what, what's going on in front of them. I could easily see a situation where Akers isn't even getting a lot of run in the second half because he's done something wrong or Michelle has done something right or who knows, maybe Henderson can contribute. I could never take the over on that side. That to me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to punch that under as soon as we hit, uh, rec- we hit uh, send on this <laughs> podcast. All right. Well, you can do that soon because that's going to do it for this episode um you guys follow follow matt Harmon on twitter for goodness sakes he's at matt Harmon underscore byb follow dalton del don at dalton del don you should be following scott at scott underscore pianowski he's an underscore guy like matt uh you can follow me at andy barons and while you're there make sure you're also following at yahoo fantasy matt and liz going to be back on monday with a recap of super bowl 56 enjoy this game people until then we are out we'll be right back.